This is The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. The Political Insider is your inside source on politics from the White House to the State House and all points in between. If it's in the headlines, The Political Insider will have the story. Let's get started. Here's Bill Ballinger. Hello out there in Michigan radio land. There is a Republican state convention going on this weekend uh, in Lansing. Lansing Center began or begins at 9 a.m. Saturday. The big event will be replacing outgoing Republican state chairman Ron Weiser. The leading contender is Laura Cox. She is a former state representative, three terms. Uh, Before that, she was a Wayne County Commissioner. She is the wife of Mike Cox, whom you may remember was the Attorney General of the State of Michigan between 2003 and 2011. He is now an attorney in private practice, but she continues her life in public service. Uh, She has a very interesting background. She is a former ICE customs agent. She is mother to a Marine who served 13 months in Fallujah, Iraq, back in 2004-2005, and was a midshipman in the Naval Academy. She is the first woman ever to chair the House of Representatives Appropriations Committee. Uh, She did that for two years, ending this past December 31st. So she is running for state Republican chairman. She is the favorite to win it this weekend uh, going forward. Now, also, happy birthday to Kettering University of Flint, Michigan. Uh, Over the last century, and this is their 100th birthday year, Kettering University has gone by different names. I think a lot of people in the state We'll remember it as the Flint Institute of Technology and several variations of General Motors Institute and GMI. Uh, So throughout that time, over the years, over 100 years, beginning in 1919, uh, throughout time, and regardless of the name, the university has been inherently tied to the city that is its home. Now, its president is Robert McMahon. He came in a few years ago from North Carolina, and he says, we were founded at the time as the automotive industry in Flint by the same people in an incredible era of innovation and creativity. I mean, this area, meaning the Flint area, Genesee County, at that time, back in the 1920s and 30s, was the Silicon Valley of the United States. Uh, The university announced plans to celebrate its centennial with a free community event this coming July 20th in Atwood Stadium, which they have now purchased and have renovated uh, on University Avenue in Flint, just a few blocks from Kettering University in partnership with Beats and Beers founder Brandon Corder, a Flint-based musical entrepreneur who recently bought uh, whale, W-A-L-E, to the Capitol Theater, which has been restored in downtown Flint. So this event on July 20th is going to feature different stages and acts and a national music artist to be announced at a later date. 
So big celebration for Kettering University, formerly GMI, formerly General Motors Institute. Happy birthday to them. By the way, you never have to miss a minute of the Political Insider, this show. Tell your friends, those you care about, those you're a little worried about, they can hear the program live at theballengerreport.com. All you have to do is go to it, and you'll see the title. Click the listen button, and you'll hear it. Uh, We're expanding uh, the reach of the program every single day. I can tell you we have uh, some announcements coming up that are going to be interesting. Also, you should listen to the Friday Morning Podcast. You can get that on the website, Friday Morning Podcast. Uh, Hit the button, listen to it. That's on every week, uh, beginning Friday mornings. And let's see what we have on the agenda this week in politics and government of Michigan. I'd say there are three basic big things that happen. Um, The House of Representative Republicans announced their agenda, uh, and it's not dissimilar to Governor Gretchen Whitmer's agenda, as she laid out in her State of the State a week previously. Uh, It's just that I think the House Republicans probably placed a lot more emphasis on auto insurance rate reform. I think that's their number one issue. And they are joined in that assertion by their counterparts in the state Senate. Uh, The Republican majority there, auto insurance rate reform is big. Uh, Obviously, repairing the state's crumbling infrastructure everywhere. I'm not just talking about roads and bridges and highways, but also pipelines and uh, a lot of below ground stuff you don't see, but is deteriorating in the state. The Republican majorities in the House and Senate share Gretchen Whitmer's anxiety about getting that job done. Otherwise, there were some other things that I think the Republicans emphasized you didn't hear so much from Gretchen Whitmer about like protecting constitutional rights and religious freedom, uh, standing up for the mentally ill and opioid addicts and reforming the criminal justice system, including civil asset forfeiture, which is legislation we've talked about on this program before and where there is legislation already moving uh, through the Senate and into the House Uh, which could be very important, Uh, trying to keep law enforcement from seizing property from private citizens and holding on to it and never giving it back, even if the citizen never is convicted of anything. Also this week, uh, there was a joint resolution, or actually separate resolutions each chamber passed, on voice votes, so there was no roll call, Democrats did not object to this, asking uh, the state Supreme Court to determine the constitutionality of the action that the legislature took late last year in the lame duck session to rewrite the law on minimum wage and earned sick leave, which the legislature had passed only three months earlier. In other words, can you pass a law at one point in a legislative session and then later in the session come back and amend that law? Uh, That is the question 
that the House and Senate are putting to the Supreme Court because uh, at this point, a state senator, a Democrat, Stephanie Chang, had already asked the attorney general for an opinion as to whether this is constitutional. And the House and Senate Republican majority said, hey, let's cut to the chase here. This is going to end up in the Supreme Court anyway, so let's just ask them for it. Another big thing that happened this week, the eagle has landed once again. What is the eagle? Well, maybe it's the deagle. The Department of Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy reorganization that Gretchen Whitmer tried to get through the legislature a couple of weeks ago, it was rejected. Her executive order by the House and Senate First time that has happened, a governor's executive order rejected by the House and Senate in 42 years uh, because they didn't like the fact that her reorganization plan would have scuttled a couple of commissions that the legislature had enacted into law and was signed by former Governor Snyder late last year. So she had to rewrite the executive order and include the commissions, uh, not do away with them and resubmit the order. And the legislature uh, says they're going to go along with it. They have 60 days to reject it, but it appears that they are going to let it go through and they don't want to be obstructionist. Uh, There's some other things that happened this week, but they're going to have to wait to be discussed another day. Uh, We're going to take a brief break, and then we will come back with our first guest. This is MTN, and you're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger. Here's Bill. We are back, and we got a very special guest a man with an illustrious career already, and he's still a young man. Oakland County Sheriff Mike Bouchard. Mike Bouchard, thank you for being with us. Hey, good morning. I'm going to come back on every morning if you keep calling me a young man. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you seem young to me. I mean, I, I got to say, I was staggered. I was thinking about it last night. I mean, this is your 20th year as sheriff, isn't it? I know. It seems like yesterday I was in the Senate, and all of a sudden, a blank. I'm in my uh, I'm in my twenty twenty first years. So. Yeah, I, I just uh, unbelievable. Let Let me just mention to people that Mike Bouchard was uh, state representative. Uh, before that, he was in law perform uh, law enforcement. Then he was elevated to the state Senate, and he was elected uh, to the number two leadership position, a uh, majority leader. Uh, majority floor leader, I should say. And he, he started out in 1999, 20 years ago, take over his new duties. And then all of a sudden, uh, the Oakland County Sheriff passed away and there was a vacancy and they sent out uh, an alarm call for Mike Bouchard to come back to Oakland and be their sheriff. And he resigned from the Senate to become sheriff. And now two decades later, he's still there, right? Absolutely. Yeah. The little bat symbol went up in the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Well, what we really got you on for this week is to talk about Police Week. Now, you got to explain what Police Week is. It's unbelievable to me. It was actually started, as I understand it, uh, by President John F. Kennedy back in 19, uh, 
62 when he was president. Um, Correct. And yet I don't think we've ever really gotten anything going on it in Michigan. Maybe I'm wrong. Just explain what is Police Week, what's its history, and what going forward is Michigan going to do? Sure. Well, first of all, thank you for your interest in it and your support of it. Um, as you know, I've been in law enforcement a long time, 20 years as sheriff and 12 years before I went into the political realm. So, you know, I'm in, in 33 years as a sworn law enforcement officer. So I've seen a lot of changes. But one thing that, that is constant is the heart and soul of the men and women that put on the uniform uh, are so strong and pure. You know, yeah, there's some occasional outlier and they ought to be held accountable. But the vast majority are doing the right thing, the tough thing every day. And I'm honored to work with them. And as a result, um, John F. Kennedy and others have stood out and said, hey, we need to support these folks just like we do our military. In fact, a lot of our folks come from the military. So John F. Kennedy uh, made Police Week, um, which is the week of uh, May, when May 15th falls. May 15th is Police Memorial Day, but that week, that entire week, is designated as Police Week for the country. Yeah, I think it's but May 12th most, most to 18th. don't know about it. Yeah, May 12th to 18th, the whole week, I think. Right, 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 and then the, yeah, exactly. Twelfth to the eighteenth, but it, it moves a little bit every year because it, it, it's fifteenth uh, is always the day um, of the Memorial Day, and then the rest kind of puts a book in on either end. And the point of it was by the by the president at the time, John Kennedy, was to thank and appreciate and recognize a law enforcement sacrifice. You know, we have uh, Veterans Day and Memorial Day, and, and a variety of things that people are very tuned into, and rightfully so for our military, um, but there's not a lot of folks that even know about Police Memorial Day or Police Week, and so a couple awesome people um, decided that they wanted to raise the awareness of it and, you know, bring it to the attention of the public and try to try to make it much more connected to the communities that the law enforcement has to serve. And, uh, you know, Amy and others have been just rock stars on trying to get that moving. Yeah, well, let me ask you, it's really kind of fascinating. I mean, there's obviously been so much controversy surrounding so many incidents between the police and various groups of demonstrators and so forth in the past week, a couple of years or decade or so. And yet here we are back in 1962, there had to have been some kind of sense by President Kennedy that, you know, police officers and, and law enforcement people were kind of troubled and under siege at that time and that there needed to be some recognition of the great work they do. And this is 1962, for heaven's sakes. We're talking like, you know, 60 years ago almost. So right. I mean, it's like the, these issues involving law enforcement have been going on for a long, long time, not just recently. Yeah, no question. Well, you know, you can kind of understand it. I mean, everybody, when they're driving down the road and looking in the rearview mirror and they see a police car, they, their heart skips a beat and they, they think, oh, gosh, am I doing something wrong? And, you know, I look at their speedometer, you know, because police are the basically the disciplinarians, the referees for society. The legislature passes laws and says, all right, go out and, you know, enforce these rules. So, you know, the person that's out enforcing the rules is never the popular person. And, you know, but that's part of the job. But the vast majority of the job is really, you know, helping people, helping people oftentimes at their worst moments in life, you know, when they've been abused, beaten, raped, uh, had a loss or a death in the family, all of those kinds of incredibly sad, tragic moments. Uh, police are the, usually the first unseen and called upon to try to make it better. And, um, you know, that kind of 
goes unnoticed when you see a high-profile incident where a police officer does wrong. And again, when there's wrongdoing, they ought to be held accountable. I believe in 100%. But when you've got almost 900,000 men and women that are putting in a uniform every day, um, less than 1% of the population is, is charged with keeping order for the whole country. There's going to be one or two or three or four, you know, obviously in that percentage that slip through and do something stupid, wrong, criminal, and ought to be held accountable. But that shouldn't paint all of the people that are doing the right things in the most dangerous times, running towards the danger, willing to put themselves on the line for a total stranger in the same broad brush. Yeah, when President Kennedy created Police Week in 1962, did he pretty much leave it up to the various individual states to get this going within their jurisdictions? I mean, has Police Week been recognized here in Michigan all this time? Uh, or is yeah, it not really? I mean, the, the legislature hasn't even routinely done, you know, resolutions and recognitions on the week. In Washington, there's a higher level of it because that's also when, um, you know, the officers, the men and women, the deputies to the side in the line of duty are added to the national wall. Uh, there is a national museum and wall in Washington. And, you know, tragically, we added one of our deputies uh, about a year ago to that wall. And, you know, we see that all the time. Every year in Michigan, we lose, you know, at least, it seems to me, five to ten every year just in Michigan. In fact, we have a a statewide police and fire memorial. It's the only statewide memorial to both police and fire service in the country uh, right here in Oakland County and would encourage you to see it. But that's got eight, nine hundred names on it. Well, what can people do to help? Well, I think... You know, greater awareness. You're helping right now, letting people know that there is a thing called Police Week. And, you know, the men and women don't really seek this job to get pats on the back, but everybody enjoys being appreciated. You know, I mean, if you're if you're in a relationship, if you don't appreciate whoever you're in a relationship with, that relationship, you know, isn't quite as good. So just take a moment and say, hey, thanks for your service, like we do with our military. Just you know, do, do small acts of kindness to the men and women you see, um, you know, during police week or, or any time, frankly. I mean, they're there because they want to make a difference. Their hearts are pure. Again, the ones that are off on the sidelines ought to be held accountable and punished. But that's not the men and women that I see every day taking money out of their own pocket to help somebody and be running towards gunfire or running in a building that's, you know, on fire. That's, that's what I right. see. And, listen, you know, great idea. Great idea. And listen, honest, Sheriff, I... I wanted to ask you so much more about it, but look, uh, everything you've said is right on. Thank you so much for being our guest. I know you're a busy guy. You got other stuff to do this morning. Uh, So thank you very much, Sheriff Mike Bouchard of Oakland County. Hey, Bill, thanks for having me. Appreciate you as always. You have a great day. Same to you. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We are back, and we've got another great guest, uh, Representative Tristan Cole. And uh, I've had him on a podcast uh, a year and a half ago talking about morel mushrooms, and I'd like to ask him about that at some point. But since then, he's been elected, I think, to the number two leadership post in the State House of Representatives. He's the majority floor leader. Is that correct, Representative Tristan Cole? Yes, Bill, that is correct. I am the majority floor leader for the 100th legislature here for the state of Michigan in the State House. Proud moment. Uh, great accomplishment. 
your district, you're up north, uh, and it's uh, Antrim, Otsego counties, Montmorency, Oscoda, Charlevoix, all those counties, right, or at least part of all, each all of the of five? Those, yes, all of those counties. You, you named them off beautifully, and uh, we can't uh, forget to mention beautiful Beaver Island, part of uh, oh, Charlevoix County, one of the most right. remote inhabited places in Michigan. Oh, my goodness, that's right. I forgot about that. Well, look, uh, there's so many things we can talk to you about, but I think in particular you're interested uh, in this hands-free driving cell phone stuff. Can you explain what's going on there? Gretchen Whitmer talked about it in her gubernatorial state of the state address a week ago, and several legislators, including you, have said uh, you want to do something about this. Yeah, so, you know, back up a little bit to before I was in the legislature, I spent 10-plus uh, years in a semi-seat. And watching what was happening on our roadways of people doing less and less driving, more and more playing on devices uh, from, you know, checking their Instagram, shopping on eBay, uh, you know, posting on Facebook, all of those different things were happening. In fact, you know, I drove nights for a year. And looking down into vehicles to see the sheer number of computer screens that are, are happening in a vehicle, from the driver and all the passengers to the dash, uh, pretty pretty distracting. And then last year, when my oldest daughter got her driver's license, you know, this continued to be a, a major concern. And there was some uh, testimony in my transportation committee that I chaired the last two years about distracted driving, uh, and it, it's uh, finally come up again. And we need to address uh, the fact that uh, uh, while texting and driving is illegal, playing on Facebook uh, isn't. Well, is there any difference between the approaches being taken by a couple of other state representatives? I've seen, I think, a Democrat, uh, Mary McManugian from Oakland County and Mm -hmm. Jason Shepard down in Monroe. Are you you guys all on the same page or is there some uh, difference of opinion on how to go about this or what? Well, I can tell you that Representative Shepard and I are working hand-in-hand on this together. And I did walk over and have a brief conversation with Representative Manugian yesterday about I'm looking forward to working with her on the distracted driving issue and encompassing pieces and parts of the legislation that she has also introduced. And so I think at the end of the day, once we get through uh, the, the committee process. And remember, we've got a new committee process. We'll have, uh, let's say it goes to transportation. Uh, it's going to go through transportation and then the Ways and Means Committee. And at, when we get through that and we get a product to the floor, I think uh, we'll, we'll take several steps in the right direction and be able to encompass uh, some bipartisan action. Yeah, let me ask you about uh, another issue. I, you called on the Supreme Court this week to issue an opinion on the constitutionality of the minimum wage law and paid yes. sick leave laws that were uh, uh, passed in the lame duck session uh, at the end of the year that amended uh, laws that you'd enacted about three months earlier uh, because apparently uh, the attorney general's indicated she's ready to give an opinion on it. And you said, hey, let's cut to the chase. This is going to end up in the Supreme Court anyway, probably one way or another. So let's just go there right away. And then I think on a voice vote, as I understand it, this week in the House and also in the Senate, you passed resolutions uh, requesting the Supreme Court to do exactly what you called to do in your press release earlier this week. Is that correct? 
That that is correct. Uh, I uh, uh, put forward House Resolution uh, 25. Uh, which calls on the Supreme Court to take this up or request them to take this up uh, at their earliest convenience. I mean, look, this was, uh, you know, a ballot proposal for minimum wage and sick leave that was, uh, you know, talked about all summer long after the signatures were were gathered. Uh, I heard repeatedly from constituents, all walks of life in many, many different areas, from small manufacturers all the way up to very large restaurants and every conceivable uh, business in between, how this is going to be detrimental and tie their hands and put less security with how they deal with employees, uh, you know, not showing up for work and then forced wages. Uh, I, I heard from baristas, I heard from waiters and waitresses all over the state. And in fact, I went out of my way to ask them, would you like, at first I asked them what their average wage was, and then I asked them if they would like to be stuck at $12 an hour. And what I found was all over the state, the wages were typically 20 to $60 an hour, and they wanted nothing to do with $12 an hour. And that compelled us in the House to preempt the ballot language, which is a constitutional move. That is a tool that we have as the legislature to do that. We preempted that language and then amended it uh, later on down the road after going through a series of discussions and looking at how we needed to change that. The uh, uh, Attorney General at the time, Bill Schutte, did uh, find that to be constitutional, and, and so now, of course, we had a change of power, and our new attorney general is playing uh, politics with this and uh, is calling that to question. And we feel very strongly it was a proper uh, move to make. It was a legal move to make. It was a constitutional move to make. And so let's skip the politicalness of, of this, the politics, and go straight to the Supreme Court. Okay, well, there's some question about how quickly – they would take this up if they choose to. I mean, they they could simply mm-hmm. say we don't even want to take it up. But isn't there some confusion in right. the business community coming up with a deadline as to when the effective date? Uh, there, there is, happens? and and we're seeking to stabilize that, put a stable regulatory environment in there. Uh, you know, I mean, let's face it: do they have to go? Does the the small mom and pop restaurant before tourist season hits? Do they need to pay their waiters and waitresses twelve dollars an hour? What does that do to their bottom line? What does this do for folks that uh, have employees that they're running on a skeleton crew and all of a sudden they've got employees not showing up for work? Uh, can the employer take the action necessary to uh, to alleviate the situation and make the moves uh, necessary to keep a stable crew in place? All of these things, we as a legislature took steps to stabilize, and uh, now we just need the uh, determination that, uh, you know, put this to bed once and for all. Have you gotten any signal at all from the court that they are going to take it up? Uh, not yet. Uh, you know, this just happened. So, uh, you know, I'm not I'm not sure how soon uh, we will get uh, a report back. So during your uh, legislative duties, majority floor leader, I mean, how much of an extra burden is that on you as a legislator compared to just being a member of the legislature? One of 110. Sure. All of a sudden, you're the person sure. who runs the show on the floor. So, you know, it is. It's a large responsibility, and I've got a great staff that helps fulfill the duties of the floor leader. Uh, my team has uh, certainly stepped up to the plate on this and uh, are being extremely helpful building the relationships with all of the members, uh, you know, all 109 other members, 110, of course, in the legislature. And, and to make it uh, a smooth transition when there is any issue that arises. But, look, working closely with committee chairmen and women, 
to make sure that uh, you know what's coming out of out of committee is is prepared for the floor. Working closely with Speaker Chatfield uh, to ensure that uh, you know what we're looking at that bringing up for a vote is indeed ready and the timing is appropriate. Uh, working with the whip with Jason Shepard to make sure that uh, you know the votes are there on the legislation as we move forward. So it is a big job, and I look forward to checking in with you on a regular basis as to how it's going. There's also strict rules on conduct and codes and tradition uh, that's, uh, that's up, I help uphold on the House floor as well. Well, I want to ask you about a couple of other things, too, but uh, we're going to have to take a break here in a minute. I want to ask you about the uh, new executive order from Governor Whitmer and what's happened with that. And I want to get back to the uh, morel mushroom caper. <laughs> I want to know yeah, what's going on on that. So uh, we'll take a break, but we'll be back in a minute with State Representative Tristan Cole, the majority floor leader in the State House of Representatives in the 100th Michigan Legislature. You're listening to The Political Insider with Bill Ballinger on MTN. Here's Bill. We are back with our special guest. He is State Representative Tristan Cole from the 105th State House District, which includes in northwestern lower Michigan, the counties of Antrim, Otsego, Montmorency, Oscoda, and Charlevoix. And he reminds us Beaver Island is in the mix, too, right? That is correct. Uh, you know, it, Beaver Island is such a unique place. I really encourage folks to take the 10-minute flight over there or the two-and-a-quarter-hour boat ride. Uh, you know, Central Michigan University has a location there on the island, and their claim to fame is that every ecosystem present in Michigan is within 15 minutes of that site. No kidding. Wow. So when you take um, the ferry ride over there, uh, where is it from? Charlevoix? It comes out of Charlevoix, yeah, and I typically take uh, take Island Airways uh, right there. It's, it's just a quick flight. Uh, you can pop right on. It's like a $100 round trip, uh, so it's an easy flight over and back. And I really encourage folks to really explore Michigan and explore these uh, unique places that we have, and, and Beaver Island is one of them. Do they have frequent flights every day? Uh, is it standby? They do. What, what's the deal? Yep, there's there's flights on a regular basis. It's usually not a challenge to uh, to get a flight, even a short notice flight over there. And you may be on the airplane with a dog or some bicycles, or you know, it's uh, really a unique experience. Uh, I've been on on as a co-pilot several times, and you know, once in a while, you can get the pilot to buzz the harbor and and get a view of the lighthouse there and the harbor from a, from the air. That's incredible! Wow, I'm I'm going to take advantage of that. Well, let's talk about another subject, and that is the new Deagle has landed. Uh, Deagle, uh, the Department of Environment, Great Lakes, and Energy, uh, a new reorganized department, old, I guess, Department of Environmental Quality, DEQ, under Governor Rick Snyder, uh, in an executive order issued by Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Now, she tried this a couple of weeks ago and was rebuffed by the state house and the state senate for the first time in 42 years an executive order was overturned by the legislature uh mainly because or entirely and i'll let uh, representative cole comment on this 
because uh, there were three commissions that had been set up by law by the legislature late last year in the uh, old DEQ, and uh, Governor Whitmer wanted to do away with those commissions in her executive order, her reorganization of the department, creating this acronym DEGAL, and the legislature said, "Uh uh-uh, no, no. Uh, We don't like that. We want those commissions to remain. They have a valuable purpose. You didn't talk to us about this. You didn't consult with us. You didn't negotiate. You just went ahead and unilaterally uh, deep six these commissions. But we have the power uh, as the legislative branch to reject your order. And that's exactly what the House and Senate did. So apparently there was some behind the scenes negotiation and the governor came out with a new deagle this week. And it included two of the three commissions, I think a science uh, based commission, which was advisory. She did not include, but apparently uh, this is where I'm a little puzzled at this point. The House and Senate have said, okay, that's fine. We're not going to try and block this. We'll go forward. Uh, The legislature technically, legally has 60 days in which to act on this order. uh, So they could reject it again within 60 days. But the indication I'm hearing is uh, the legislature is not going to do this. The House and Senate are not going to do it. It would take a majority vote in each chamber, House and Senate, to overturn an executive order. That's what the legislature did two weeks ago. But this new one, they're saying they won't do it. Uh, So let me let Representative Cole get a word in edgewise here. uh, And I'll stop my filibuster and he can tell me what he thinks. And then I'm going to have a follow-up question. Yeah, you you outlined it very, very succinctly. You, You did a great job there. And the legislature did act as one body uh, both House and Senate together, uh, communicating that uh, we were unhappy with the governor uh, attempting to do a, 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 a basically a veto, something that she could not do uh, with the abolishment of these commissions, with the way she structured things. And she does not make law of, from her office. That is the job of the legislature. And the Speaker and Majority Leader Shirky were very clear with her on that, and she refused to come to the table to negotiate. Uh, we have, I've asked repeatedly that she would rescind the order and, and make the adjustments that we were asking for, or we were going to overturn her executive order. And uh, she refused to, uh, to work in a bipartisan fashion that we put forward, and so we overturned the order which is absolutely constitutional and within our power as the legislative branch. The uh, uh, frustrating thing about this is, uh, you know, she tried to spin the narrative in a political fashion that the Republicans, you know, are not for clean water. They're not for a clean environment. And that's, that's just ridiculous. And, and, ob- and honestly, it's a, a little offensive that she would go take that route when we were very clear. It is about the commissions not about her restructuring the majority of, uh, you know, how she'd like to see her her departments laid out. Uh, I also added in there in some of my commentary that I've, I've made, the comments that, you know, just restructuring government, giving it a fluffy new name, uh, creating environmental justice and all these other things do absolutely nothing to actually help solve and clean up uh, you know, are some uh, 10,000 contaminated sites around the state of Michigan. In fact, Bill, it goes even further, soaking up taxpayer dollars with bureaucrats and talking heads instead of boots on the ground, actual cleanup and remediation of these sites. Well, let me ask uh, 
the question I really want to ask uh, that I didn't mention before, and that is she also, Governor Whitmer, has asked Attorney General Dana Nessel for an opinion on the constitutionality of these two commissions that she has allowed to remain in the new executive order. Well, now, what mm-hmm. if what if Dana Nessel issues an opinion in about a month or whenever she does it uh, that, in her opinion, these are unconstitutional? Uh, well, look, it, it, it's no it's no secret on how things are going to go under Attorney General Nessel. She has proven herself to be a, a very political, nothing much more than a political hack when it comes to these things, and is going to counter and be objectionable to anything and everything that Republicans do or have done. And we've seen that in the messaging prior to her election and after she has taken office. Well, yeah, but then that's not a good thing. That's not a good thing, right, for this particular order. I'm saying if you guys say, okay, we're not going to fuss with this order, but Dana Nessel says, hey, those two commissions are kaput, they're unconstitutional, you guys have lost, and Governor Whitmer and, and Dana Nessel have won. Well, well, we'll we'll see how that actually plays out. And remember, this is a uh, two-way street. And if they want to play that game, uh, you know, Republicans are working very hard. I'm working hard in a bipartisan fashion. Uh, Speaker Chatfield has, uh, I know, uh, you know, extended those olive branches across the administration to work in a bipartisan fashion. And I hope the uh, you know citizens of Michigan uh, see what's really happening. Well, look, look, I understand what you're saying there, and I think. You're right from what I've seen, but the point is, why would you guys announce now you're not going to try and block the second order? Why wouldn't you leave that option over open? You've got 60 days in which to act and maybe get a, a concession from the governor and Dana Nessel that Nessel will rule on the constitutionality of these commissions in a very timely fashion, maybe real quick, like maybe maybe a month from now, and that would leave you with another 30 days if she says they're unconstitutional to block the order a second time. Uh, or well, you, what? You, you're spot on with, with the fact that we do have 60 days, and regardless of what happens, we still have 60 days. Uh, but, you know, the negotiations with uh, the governor's office, uh, Speaker Chatfield, uh, has been in communication, and, and it appears that that communication is going both ways. Uh, again, the options are on the table, uh, but uh, you know, I'm looking to the speaker uh, for how he feels things are going. Well, okay. Uh, it would really put the monkey on the back, I guess, of maybe the business community who are people who really push the creation of these commissions to yes. go to court to try and overturn uh, Nestle's opinion if she rules against the constitutionality of the commissions. But I would think the business community probably isn't too happy about that. They're not. And, and again, this was all about transparency with these commissions and making sure that the, uh, you know, the uh, uh, permit process and all the things that, that the departments deal with uh, is transparent. And that's why we had such a problem with them being abolished with the first executive order. And we were very clear about that. And uh, I feel that and the negotiations are going very well and that the governor came to the table. Uh, and, and so you see what's happening now. You know, this is terrible. I didn't even get a chance to ask you about morel mushrooms. What about your bill? You're going to get it passed? Quick. 
Well, it's uh, I've been talking about it, and we're coming into that time period where uh, morales are going to be the top of uh, everybody's mind as we come to spring. And this a lot of snow is a very good thing. It keeps moisture in the ground, and I hope we have a great mushrooms uh, year. And look forward to talking with you uh, soon about that topic. All right, we're going to get back to it. Thank you so much, Representative Tristan Cole from the 105th State House District, the Majority floor leader in the House of Representatives, Kristen Cole, thank you. Thank you.